this is the first official Vessel podcast. And uh, today, my friend Jenna Roth will be joining me um, and interviewing me about the origins of the Academy and our purpose and whatever else we choose to explore. So thank you, Jenna, for joining me for this uh, session. Thank you, Michael. It's an honor to to be here. I would really love to, you know, this is a bit open-ended, but just hear about your story and your philosophy and, um, you know, where you came from and how you got here and all the, the places and um, highs and lows and curves that happened in between. Yeah. Um, well, first it came through friends and you know, you and I were connected through uh, a friend who's been a student for, I don't know, four or five years. Um, and going back to the Williamsburg days when I discovered Williamsburg back in, oh gosh, it was probably 2000. Um, when it was still full of artists and squatters and character, um, I had gone over the bridge and discovered a place called Go Yoga and just fell in love with the community there and taught. Um, and then fast forward to 2009, the com- students and community had invited me to formalize the studies I was getting privately in yoga and Tantra and Buddhism into uh, a course that they could take that that was not a teacher training. Mm. And I was excited by that because I was like, look, that's really different to get the straight skinny on spirituality and how all this stuff fits together. You had to go through a teacher training and, and most people don't want to teach. So right. I, I like that that was a different entry point. So I, I took the winter of 2010 uh, heavily inspired by a, a, my second experience with plant medicine. I had an incredible ayahuasca journey that somehow kind of downloaded the, the ability to uh, collate and synthesize a academy curriculum. Uh, so I took every free moment I had through the winter up until the summer to create what is called the compendium, which is a a collection of Tibetan Buddhist, uh, basically hero's journey information from the Dalai Lama lineage, um, ancient Indian Buddhist meditation practices uh, called shamatha, the ability to, to place your mind on any object you want for as long as you want without getting tired. Um, asana practices that support these meditations. And then the energetic side of it, like what is the energetic anatomy of a human and how does it interface between our animal, you know, our physical body and the consciousness that abides in our animal. And then once the fall came, the academy launched and I had a full club full class and we went for six months down the rabbit hole wow it's a lot happening in a in a fairly condensed period of time and you mentioned that the the ayahuasca journey was um, it seems like to be one of the the biggest pivoting points for you um 
Are there some other experiences or people that you met along the way that you would categorize, you know, as one of those aha moments or or places that really um, pushed you to, to a bit more towards this direction? Yeah, it was the community's request. Um, I, I I don't like at all when something's pushed on me, you know, when, when mm. someone says, "Oh, you should." Or, you know, they come up on your on your lawn and knock on your door and you say and try to invite themselves in. I like to be invited and I love people's curiosity. I mean, I'm, I'm an artist first, so I look for light in others. And when what's exciting me excites others and they say, please share, that's my invitation. And between that and that very profound ceremony experience, um, in the winter, it just felt like kismet, you know, all these things lining up and the, the clarity, the purpose to put all of this together. Because, you know, I was, I'd never done anything of that scale or magnitude, but the the inner story, you can't, you've never done this, you're not qualified, just was not an obstacle. And then it happened. What would, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what would you say is, or was? Um, and still is your biggest tool in um, being able to to diminish that obstacle or that or you know change the narrative of that inner voice. Understand that it is one voice. It's it's one form of intelligence. Uh, the 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 lingual narrator, the voices in our heads, so to speak, are one form of intelligence that we possess and what's amazing about yoga is you can turn that stuff off when you want to if you know how so another form of intelligence is our awareness like what we're sensing in the moment which is present and that readiness that vigilance doesn't speak it beholds Later on, the other part of our mind that talks frames that experience and says, this is this, this is that, I like, I don't. Then we have our energetic intelligence, you know, the vibe, uh, when the hair stands on in on your body, when you get the chills. This is the nervous system. This is our, our pranic system in the Eastern parlance speaking. We, we have an intuition that in my experience, is very rarely incorrect. And this is what I'm finding most people these days wanting to get more in touch with. The the electricity that gives a path forward. Then there's the physical intelligence, and there's the aesthetic intelligence, creative intelligence, you know, social intelligence, emotional intelligence. So showing people how vast the landscape is and the, the, the fields of expression are and how they're all tied together is my joy. That's, that's what I like to do as a yoga teacher, someone who puts people in connection with all of these aspects of themselves and, and really shows how to use the right intelligence at the right time. You know, as a performer, I don't want to be talking to myself on stage. That's, that's the very definition of being self-conscious. Right. But in the, in the journey of cultivating a piece of music, you have to check in with yourself and, and have maybe a, you know, a teacher also saying, hey, maybe think about doing this versus that. 
until you can get it going yourself. Right. So guiding people towards that thought process and, and connection um, to be able to understand all of the um, the platforms that are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual platforms that reside within us. Um, and that seems like it's, you know, one of the foundations of a vessel. Um, and I'm just wondering what are, what are the other pillars of your academy and, um, you know, your mission and how that was formulated and how that's been, um, released out into the world for others. Perfect. Uh, the, the original name of, of the academy wasn't vessel. It was Sarva and Mm. Sarva is a Sanskrit word that means all or complete or whole being that it, the, the pillars of the academy speak to these different aspects of our being physical being one our physical intelligence like how our body heals and releases the right hormones at the right time and corrects when there's imbalances you know how does this incredible cellular community function wow that's a different intelligence than my intellect right my my narrative cognitive intelligence very different it's gone to schools and gone to universities and learned from culture Um, So, Sarva offers deep training in the physical asana practices, how to navigate the skeletal musculature, respiratory, basically so that you can get into deep meditation, which speaks to the, say, maybe the contemplative intelligence, a person's ability to behold and listen with every fiber of their being to the present moment. Then there's the cognitive intelligence, which is more about the philosophies where we place these great ideas of, let's say, the Dalai Lama lineage into that state of mind that's listening and stable inside of a body that is comfortable and quiet and poised. And then the energetic training is, you know, when you get an epiphany or your mind blown, like to call it, you know, like a mind orgasm, that, that rush of energy that says, aha, and it's accompanying a, a great epiphany, a great vision for what to do or a new angle on something. That's what excites people. It, it brings a sudden flash of lightning in the dark and helps them move beyond their crossroad moments in their own way. And then when you have a community of people who are doing this in support of one another, how to get out of their own way together. I mean, I, I can't really think of a, a more powerful service to humanity in these times. So that's why I've kept the Academy going. That's so beautiful and such a, a beautiful explanation. Thank you for sharing that and you know in the turn of the decade moving into this year of 2020 now more than ever people are not only in need of these practices um but are coming to you know that 2020 clear vision um seeing that 
how imperative they are for, you know, surviving and navigating the modern world which we live in. Yeah, absolutely. And to have a community that shares these experiences, um, celebrates together, builds together, can break down together and, and grow old together. It's a new form of, well, I wouldn't say new form of family, but it's a, it's an alternative form of family than our flesh and blood families, which are precious as well. But as, um, you know, right now I'm in LA and I'm in the, I'm in the home of my partner, um, her father, and he's, he's quite old and you, you can, you can sense, you know, we're here to celebrate the holidays with him, but when we go, will, will this man be alone for long periods of time in the house? You know, does he have community? Mm-hmm. And I think in this day and age, loneliness is such a fear for people, particularly when they begin to look into themselves, which can be also quite intimidating. It's like if you haven't been to the the dentist in a long time, you're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to know. <laughs> but to have a, a supportive community, you know, rending the veil together and supporting each other and, and it not having to be about a central figure like a guru or a high priest, but it's us together. For me, I think that's the cutting edge of spiritual community and it's safer and people can be accountable together and share without it being hierarchical. So I'm, I'm also very excited to not only be a part of that, but uh, foster it more in the world. You mentioned, you know, people having such a fear of loneliness and, and it's so interesting that in in these times that we live in with social media and phones and access to so many different platforms and people 24 seven that now more than ever people are, are feeling lonely. And, um, you know, I really, I think that really speaks to the way that people are using and consuming technology instead of creating on it. Um, and I'm just wondering how you, uh, create instead of consume on technology in, in a, um, spiritually responsible way in order to get practices and communities out there uh, for people to tap into and and know that they're not alone. It's been a challenge, Jenna. Um, I love. I, I'm a performer first. I'm a musician first. So when I'm in front of an audience, I am out of my own way. Meaning, I'm not talking to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm present because there's risk there, right? Your your ass is on the line. You're on stage. It's time to show up. And I'm like that when I teach. I, I, I sense I open to what the, the collection of minds want to talk about, want to interact with, and may that energy come through me and cycle in the room. Now, when you have, like we have here, uh, a phone between us and digital technology connecting us, it's different. It's not breath to ear because you're on the East Coast and I'm in LA. Yet, we can still miraculously connect in real time. The, I don't think it's lost on anyone. Like, you know, there are 4,000, 5,000 Facebook friends aren't all their friends. Like, we only have room for most of us, maybe 10 to 20 close friends. And then after that, it's peripheral. 
unless you're an extraordinary extrovert. But if you're a teacher trying to share these ideas with a greater audience, yeah, these tools, Instagram, Instagram TV, uh, YouTube are powerful to get the messages out there. There's also streaming courses that are, you know, you can find them all over the place and, and apps. But do the people coming together in their own, you know, car or office space or quiet space in their house to practice, once that session ends, do they have people around them that they share their immediate biological space with? And I think that's really important. So not only, you know, making these practices and information available, but also taking responsibility responsibility to go to where these communities are and offer retreats, meet people, have conversation about what is the result been of practice. Because, you know, these are these are powerful tools that usually lead to some sort of breakdown, you know, like they, they something just doesn't fit anymore. And then support for the breakthrough, you know, what in that uncomfortable time of letting go of something and before you've taken the step to the next, uh, next step on your path, do you have support there? And I think that is where the digital age and a global community that's waking up still needs each other uh, face to face to to ascend in this way. Otherwise, it's um, you know potentially just another experience that's in the bucket list. Yeah, I checked off my meditation today online, but I don't feel it's enough. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's something that's getting so lost along the way. Um, you know, having that that balance of that yin and yang of we have these incredible advanced tools to be able to bring these practices to our phones, to our headphones, to our computer screens in a way that they're accessible at any time where someone can step away from their computer during the workday and have a, a 10 minute, you know, meditation to, to come back to, to present moment. Um, and balancing that with, while these are beautiful tools, there still needs to be that rooted sense of, of personal connection and, um, honoring the, the roots of the ancient practice. Um, and, you know, you've been speaking very much about community and um, how that's such an, an important part of all of this. And as a teacher and a leader and someone that, you know, started this academy, um, you know, I'm wondering how you honor all of these different requests, you know, going back to, to how this this entire mission started was because of community um, outreach and necessity and voices. And how do you honor each of those requests and find the balance to um, 
to make it all happen for all of these different voices and requests uh, within your community, within your practice, within your academy. It's a lot of brunches. (laughs) (laughs) thing we're in New York. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of coffees, a lot of brunches. I'm not not kidding. Like back in Williamsburg, uh, almost after every other class we would go out for coffee as a group little groups you know three four people have brunches and just geek out at the table and so they they showed me what to share it wasn't about me trying to you know figure out the thing that was most scintillating and and juicy they showed me so again it's the connections and just seeing what pops out when people hang out and talk about this stuff as well as as a guide you know let's say you're on an app and i'm not dissing in these things at all i'm just saying there's uh, a need for a, a lam rim which is a a term from tibetan it means a, a series of progressive steps that a guide can present if you were rock climbing and you never rock climbed before you'd want a guide to show you the right path and where to step on that path. It's safe for you and empowering, right? Right. And no different in in spiritual advancement. There is an order of steps that each of us as individuals, we have our own experience. And let's say you did, you know, something amazing, like a a 30-day meditation challenge, and something happened. Does your app provider allow you to have the feedback to say, hey, I had this disillusion experience. I had this experience of my my ego dissolving and then almost coming into a feeling of dying. And then I got scared. I couldn't go any farther. Who do I talk to? What's the next step? You know, can these digital services provide that? Whereas a qualified teacher can do that they can sit with you and say oh i understand what you experienced now this is a milestone this is a marker here's what you do next or if you're frustrated and just feeling like you're spinning your wheels say oh i think you skipped steps earlier let's go back and help you with your foundation without feeling bad about it without like saying oh you know you got to start all over it's like no you just you missed a step. Let's fill that in. And then you find that the progress is a lot more flowing and fun. But that's another place where the community needs to be organic. Do we have guides offering, knowing a map and helping us pro- progress in the steps uh, that these lineage traditions have preserved for thousands of years? They are tremendously valuable, but I'm not sure that. And the ability to cherry pick these different meditation techniques and plant medicine experiences that that necessarily brings someone higher. Right. Yeah. That. That's. I actually had a um, a teacher in college, and this always stuck with me. Um, and he was getting so frustrated at at classes because he would ask a question or open a discussion and people would automatically turn to their laptops and start looking it up. And he said, I just remember him saying, Oh, 
your generation and generations to come, they know how to research a question and there you guys know you you know you know how to use the tools in order to help look up many possible theories to a question but you don't actually have the answer or you don't you're not actually spending time looking within you to find your answer and that always really stuck with me um as to how you know the evolution of technology has mirrored the evolution of of connection to within 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 people yes the the ability to deeply listen mm, exactly and and fathom uh what's under all of those voices and restless energies is the stillness that these practices provide and the information and visions we can access under all of that static isn't granted just by having Google and and Alexa. Right. I mean, boy, that would be fucking amazing. Right. But it ain't true. And you know, it's the tr- it's the law of I guess entropy. It's use it or lose it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a yeah. huge sci-fi geek and every sci-fi author I've ever read said the the tool that becomes the machine eventually usurps the user because the user becomes useless. The machine has done all the thinking for them. And boy, that, that would be a real shame not to heed those warnings from our, our sci-fi visionaries. But, you know, somehow offload our responsibility as as sentient beings onto uh our our devices and yeah i I agree with that instructor the the ability to to close the computer and really share what we think and if there's a void there let that also be from a place of dignity and that's an opportunity for curiosity that's an opportunity to say i don't know and you know as a as a guide you know a teacher it's not my interest to give somebody an answer and go okay here you go you got it it's my, my honor and duty to put them in touch with the mystery and show them how to continue to do that so that they can feel a part of something greater. I think the phrase, I don't know, is really tough for, for a lot of people to, to say. Yes. Um, how do you, how do you guide people to evolve from a place of embarrassment or you know, unworthiness to owning that phrase and and shifting their perspective to have to not being attached to I don't know to not having that that attachment be from a place of of shame and instead of place of curiosity and um, yearning for answers and discussion and listening. Well, there's a very powerful mantra. For this, that's in our collective, you know. The, every, I think everyone knows about Om, 
mm. right to open to the great um the great intelligence that is the universe right but then there's um um <laughs> she's, i don't know so when i when i'm in in a mode of yeah when i'm in a mode of um first of all i try not to say yeah. to say um when i'm speaking but if i don't know it's it's um like i don't know i admit it and from a place of dignity, because that's a, that's again where we can use the hive mind. We can use us. We can use the people that have inspired us, share their presence, their power with who uh, we are in touch with. Connect. It's an opportunity. Uh, I, you know, I've never had a corporate gig, so I, I'm not sure if my head would roll <laughs> inside of those institutions. Cause I, I said at the boardroom meeting, I don't fucking know, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the people who are um, curious and frisky to go explore where they don't know, like that's where you have innovation. And they say necessity is the mother of invention. And particularly when, uh, there's a lot on the line and a deadline. It's a motivating factor and a, a chance for us to reach out to our mentors and our guides and say, help. And, you know, our board of directors say, I, I don't know what to do. I've, I would like to grow. And I found that to be a, instantly self-liberating and remove the shame from it and be, in, be a chance to learn something new. Where do you think this, you know, stems from? Do you think it's, um, you know, reframing the dynamics of, of teacher-student relationships and having guides and teachers instead of, you know, a student being fearful of not knowing the answer? Uh, you know, I used to sit there in class in, in middle school and sit with your hand close to your chest, like, I hope they don't pick on me. I hope they don't pick on me. Um, you know, shifting that from from a fearful experience to, a, you know, one of, of praise or I guess where, how do you see that play out in, um, in teacher to student dynamics? As a guide in class, I, I like to remind everyone at the outset that uh, when the students share what they think, it helps me, the teacher, stay on topic talk about the most exciting relevant thing in the short amount of time we have together right away empowering the curious empowering the student to empower the teacher to guide the conversation mm. and when someone doesn't know when someone asks a question for them to know that at least three other people in the room are grateful to them for opening their mouth and saying that your question is shared silently for the for the moment by at least two or three other people and absolutely right it's always the case yeah it's always the case <laughs> yeah and and you know no one likes to go first it's it's scary it'd be for the boldest in the group um but as a community grows together and and 
it's heartening to see our brothers and sisters step forward when we know like that's not you know they're stepping out of their comfort zone that's a really beautiful thing and um also you know in in communities growing i i don't believe that they can grow in a healthy well-rounded way if it's just about spirituality i really don't i think there has to be celebration there i think there has to be ordeals i think there has to be rites of passage i think there has to be building projects and um working for other communities and working with other communities um, opportunities to share and this is what i've loved about having my my burning man tribes it's there are people who are curious and diverse and um it's not just one way you know people drinking the kool-aid over and over like i'm not interested in that i think it's lopsided absolutely and you know honoring space for all different types of people and ideologies and having a community truly be a community and um you know you touched on before having there not be that that guru or that that main figure um when i was recently in bali and i see this in so many other places around the world you know it's in in bali in particular the temples there the, you know you walk into a temple here and you feel so small there's these huge you know and these huge churches and there's all this stained glass and, and painting and the ceilings are a million feet tall and you feel so small and there the the temple itself is really only um, a structure of a perimeter because the community, the people that fill that space are, are considered to be, you know, the, the divinity. Um, and that's a, a practice that, um, I think, you know, serves, serves everyone so beautifully. Um, and I'm wondering in, in Vessel Academy and in all of your retreats and your practices, um, how you create that that feeling of everyone being honored and together and having that sense of of divinity come from within while while remaining in a community it it is a work of art jenna uh, to do it first and foremost um i open myself when when I walk in to, to teach and I sit down with everyone and we have our, our minute of silence together, uh, I am making the, the intention, the prayer to empty out and to become a vessel for uh, an energy that will powerfully connect me to the collective of minds present. And that informs which song I do or don't play, uh, what I sh- the idea I share, what comes next in a sequence. So that there's this magic in the room. That container for magic, again, it's a reason why I chose the word vessel. Uh, a container uh, doesn't dictate the substance that's placed into that container. Right? If you have a wine glass, you don't necessarily have to put wine in it. You could put 
a mouse. You could put <laughs> apple juice. You know, you could put it anything. It's it is a it's a container of possibility, and that um, availability, that connection to potential, is what I'm most interested in facilitating. Now, the substance. Uh, in terms of the physical asana practice, uh, how that connects with the energetic anatomy through the breath, what that does to quiet the ruminating mind, all of these um, factors I'm thinking about as a way of getting the body into a place where it is warm, blissful, flowing, the energetics are coming into a place of um, centralizing. There's a there's a term in Sanskrit, the shashumna nadi. That's the central channel, or uh, they're figuring out it's connected to the vagus nerve. It's it's our bliss highway. Or when you get turned on by a great idea, your whole body fills with this energy. Uh, that central channel, shashumna. The, the etymology of it in English comes to words like church or cave, these spaces of contemplation that could happen anywhere because it's coming from the heart of our being. And so as a, as a yoga teacher and, you know, physical yoga practice leading to this meditation absorption, this space within us that is whole, right, that is holy, that reveals uh, what to do next or what not to do next. That's what I'm interested in facilitating and then showing people all the different entry points to get out of their own way. And often saying, I don't know, is the first honest step we have to let go of the facade of being a know-it-all. Mm. Even if we have 10,000 hours of practice in a, in a, and art, there's still plenty of times we don't fucking know. And that's a, a, a way to self-liberate and enter into a space of, of uh, epiphany or coming back to uh, the people that inspire us and can and shine a light in the dark for us. So that's my passion. There's the potential for self-liberation and self-knowledge can come through the physical, through the energetic, through the contemplative, through the intellectual, through the sexual, through the creative, There's all different ways. It's, it's absolutely infinite and each one of us is absolutely unique. Do you find that it's, um, I guess that it's, you know, difficult to, to work on almost reversing in a way, you know, the people that have felt so small in the place of worship that they have attended their whole lives or that have been told to, you know, to always have an answer and to, you know, have been put to shame for not knowing all of these things that are unfortunately so prevalent in the Western world that we live in, how, you know, what are, what have been the biggest challenges in terms of, of having to work on people getting away from those embedded 
belief systems. Yeah, how to get out of our own heads. Yeah. Right? How do you get all, out of your you own know, head? All of this sounds, it's, it, you know, every, it, when you say, of course, everyone wants to, wants to achieve those things and, you know, to have this flow of ease, yet internally there are some things that, that have just been placed within us, whether that's nature, nurture, society, our religious upbringing, whatever those factors are that are undoubtedly present. Yeah, I love to usurp that (laughs) and have (laughs) a horde of techniques for doing so. Um, To get out of our own head using play and finding the living edge of the moment. It's hidden in plain sight, Jenna. If I have a group of highly trained asana yogis and yoginis in front of me, I can see they know everything about alignment and tadasana. I'll be like, okay, please come to tadasana at the front of the mat. Now, lean back so all your little toes lift up involuntarily. Can you sense the air currents between your toes? And then have them go even a little further and start stumbling backward on their mat. Mm. Purposely stumble and find the breath in that. Find the play in it. Do it over and over so that we come back to that childlike state that allowed us to be able to stand and walk. Right? If we had, we were in our heads as children trying to walk, we would still be in those little, you know, circular plastic containers with the with the with the the wheels on the bottom right because right. <laughs> we, we just said ah, i can't stand I, all these other people stood before me and it's taken me so right. long right and so showing people how to recognize their patterns and then usurp the pattern in a playful way there's millions of ways of doing it even just like taking the pen from the hand you write and putting it in the other hand and writing something, you'll find it instantly shuts off the narrative. If you have a pattern in the way you you wash yourself, like I face the same direction in the shower, I wash my body parts in the same order, turn 180 degrees, put your loofah in your other hand, start with the other foot first, and you'll find the narrative shuts up. Mm. And we come out of this place of conditioned narrative played out answers that probably don't work for us so much anymore and we come back to mystery and that's what a yoga teacher connects people to and the more fun the more serendipitous the more kismet the more magnetic uh we find ourselves in relationship to reality then it becomes something we we have at our disposal to do to get out of our heads and come back into flow. And everyone knows play. That is a universal a universal term and a universal feeling. You know, despite like I just mentioned, all of those those factors um, from society or nature, nurture, whatever. Regardless of any combination of of those things at the heart of who we are everyone knows play and a childlike sense of wonder and curiosity so being able to connect 
people on such a universal feeling must be such a beautiful, a beautiful thing to create. Absolutely. And what brings the light (laughs) forward faster than play and people discovering a new favorite, you know, all these, all these F's, (laughs) all these F's in the, like our, our favorite thing is not just, not just failure F's. There's all the other F's Mm. and play connects us to that. That is definitely one of, one of my 2020, um, goals is to come back to to that sense of of play and know that that's always a tool um and i'm wondering heading into 2020 for you i have a couple of of questions um three things actually so with with the new year and turn of the decade in mind um what is it that you are currently doing that is working for you to carry out to your goals and dreams and um be successful this year for yourself and for vessel um the second is what are you going to let go of that is getting in the way of what you want and the third is what would you like to invite in that will empower you to move forward well Thank you for asking these. It's a, it's a privilege to have these questions right before the new year. Um, I think what's worked for me has been getting out of my head and trusting my intuition, knowing what that intelligence is when my when my energy directs yes or no, more light, less light, more excitement, less excitement, going with that. And then checking with my team, do they also feel this? Where are they? And having that alignment first. So moving slower when I collaborate, because that's a new skill for me to do. Um, And then trusting that, going with that, not staying in indecision, which is, you know, a byproduct of being in your head. And uh, wasting time because you're indecision. Mm. As well, you know, I finished a big project this year. I was I was honored to lead 16, 17 different psychotherapists and social workers through the yogic arts. So they had more tools for self-care and more tools for their client patients. And that was a big project. I was really, really tired after it. And I... I my intuition said, you need a sabbatical, man. It's been 20 years of solid teaching. Go to the country. Get in nature. Set up your studio. Find the place where you can come back to your wholeness. And I did that. And it's uh, magnetized so many beautiful opportunities for 2020. Um, those pivots were scary, but they came in such a natural way that it showed me it was the right way. So what I what I'd like to let go of is being in lost in those voices in my head that are perfectionists and critics um, that that expect instant results. You know, I think I'm not a millennial, but I do suffer from that stress du jour of uh, wanting an instant result. 
rather than enjoying the incremental advancements on the path and taking those steps with friends and a chosen family. Did you, um, you know, in saying that, that one of the things that really worked for you was to be able to take that time, that sabbatical, to go to the country and then saying, you know, something you need to let go of is um, having, you know, that need for instant gratification. So what was, what was that, that balancing act like and, and struggle for you to be able to get to a place of honoring, okay, I need to set some time aside for myself and go off to the country by, you know, being at nature, someone that would normally not be able to so easily go and do that. So how did you get to that place? Uh, a great field clearer for indecision and hesitation is to rem- remember the uh, intimacy with death. Mm. It could all end in any moment. And what is most important? What is most important? And I have to say, Jenna, like, I I had gotten to a place of, of exhaustion and unhappiness that just laid bare an honest truth which was I don't have anything to prove to myself or anyone else living in the city and uh, having to have so much extra energy to endure the onslaught of New York City modern life uh And then that opened me up to the signs, the help. Like a a good friend posted her beautiful home upstate in a town full of friends that I I discovered were there and full of incredible artists. And her home is beautiful. I did a performance in her loft in Dumbo and love her aesthetic. And it was just yes. It was just yes. And it didn't feel like escape. It didn't feel like running. It felt like actually moving into a container that was unfamiliar, but allowed for an evolution. Uh, And again, as an entrepreneur and a self-starter, I'm I'm pretty well conditioned to to leaping when there's it's time for the leap of faith. So it was just another instance of doing that. Yeah. And now being able to share, you know, hopefully share your story and in, in getting to a place of, you know, that there weren't many other options at that point of being burnt out and feeling, you know, that you needed something like this in order to move on, um, sharing your story so people can, can act on it in a more proactive, preventative way. Yeah, some someone needs to go first, and as a as a you know, and I say this with all humility, a a a community leader, you have to go first, and sometimes that means saying I don't know first. There's this great truth that when things ain't adding up, start subtracting. And that works in music and it works in life. You, to, you realize, like you asked about what to let go of. If your hands are yeah. full, 
your hands are full. You don't have room to hold anything else. You have to, you have to subtract. And there's that period of being quote unquote empty handed, but also instantly reconnected with potential, with possibility now that you are available. And that, I love that. Right. That allows us to, yeah. to choose what do we want to engage with in the new year or the next moment. So it brings us to our third question of what are you inviting in to empower you to, to continue to move in this direction? Well, one has been a lifelong dream of doing more film scoring. Uh, again, I'm, I'm a musician first. That's my first yoga. It's my favorite thing. Uh, and I love putting music to film and that opportunity came when I moved upstate to a small town and set up a recording studio. The, the opportunity came and uh, there's more opportunities when I go back up in, in the winter to have, you know, a sabbatical and make that art. Uh, so that's been a, a, a really beautiful ripening. And then with Vessel as a teacher, um, feeling already so refreshed, um, working with you, working with the, the teachers I've trained, working with these new corporate clients that are wanting to know how does quieting the mind, how does engaging with a contented heart and a body that's balanced, how does that magnetize opportunities and pathways that are so fruitful in so many different ways? How does that work? Uh, this is what I want to share. I want to I'll take the curriculums that I've I've loved and gotten so much out of for the last 20 years and make it available to people in a plain language without the guru thing and respecting the millennia of lineage that have brought these tools to us in this modern age so that we can work with it together in communities and get more satisfaction out of our work and our play and our social lives, less time, uh, you know, just kind of aimlessly surfing the web for meaning and, and having it as an option to go into the inner world for that exploration. Mm. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Our first podcast. <laughs> so wonderful and so much dense, powerful guidance and information. So thank you from the bottom of my heart.